Welcome to Monty Meets, a new podcast where Monty Panesar interviews sports stars and celebrities. Monty will be learning what makes his guests tick, how they became successful, plus the struggles and challenges they have faced and overcome. You will learn something new about each celebrity. Make sure to leave a review and don't forget to give Monty Meets a five-star rating. Welcome everyone and this week on Monty Meets, my guest has transformed the landscape of fielding and I was completely the opposite. I couldn't catch and I was lucky if I stopped the ball at fine leg. Let's be honest, he changed fielding forever. He's known as one of the greatest fielders of all time and I played against him when he was an overseas player at Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. He loves India so much, the culture, the heritage and tradition, he even named his daughter India Rhodes. It's the worst fielder meets the best, John T. Rhodes. Man, yes, John T. Rhodes. John T., how are you? Good, thank you, Monty. Good to be with you. So, um, tell us about fielding, because that's the first thing, you know. Um, You know, fielding is one of the three aspects in cricket. Um, that was not given much importance as batting or bowling until John T. Rhodes showed up. You know, how did you change the landscape of fielding in cricket? Well, I think from my perspective, I mean, I'd always been a an agile, athletic, mobile player and, and not just cricket. I mean, we in South Africa at schools, because most of our sport takes place in the school setups as opposed to at clubs for, for juniors. And in South Africa, the focus wasn't just on cricket. So every school term, you had to play at least one or maybe even two sports at the school. And there was everything. I had mild epilepsy as a kid, so I couldn't play rugby in the winter. So hockey was part of my, a big part of my game with soccer, with football. And then in the summer, tennis, athletics, and cricket. And I think all those sports combined, we didn't have fielding coaches at the start of my international career, I mean, not even in my provincial career for, for Natal, where fielding was something that I really enjoyed. Uh, I never really worked on it very hard because we didn't have the equipment you didn't have spare coaches or a fielding coach to work with you so it was always dragging a teammate down come hit me some catches um so which is why my accuracy was was never great at the beginning and it was more about stopping the ball going to the boundary taking good catches because that's kind of what i worked on but it was fun um because i mean with most things uh, there's no shortcut to success it does require hard work but when you're enjoying it you never really felt like i was working at my fielding it was just something that i really did and and amazingly with with hansi Cronier, he was a captain that just believed in allowing the players to work on their strengths and he encouraged me you know i could have bowled a couple of really poor overs of off spin i suppose if i'd worked hard enough at my bowling but he just said just go enjoy your fielding go work at your fielding so it was something that evolved with me but right from the outset i really loved to feel so yeah you talk about you know um this you know as a youngster you played all kinds of sports um you played hockey for the national team um so how did you manage to choose cricket to be the sport you wanted to focus on well the interesting thing that cricket actually chose me i mean I, i was a better hockey player for sure and I think I was, I was a really anxious and nervous middle order batter. And that's why I loved the fielding, because there wasn't really pressure on you. You make a mistake in the field, you can recover it, you know, next ball that comes your way. But batting-wise, you got one chance. So in the middle order, I got a lot of energy. And when you're fielding, it's fine. You can release it. I could run all day, you know, fetch a cap, fetch a ball, chase a ball. And batting-wise, 
sitting in the dressing room waiting to go bat, I was terrible. So, you know, I used to open the batting as a schoolboy and it's much easier to just get out and face the first delivery and then, then you're away. But waiting in the dressing room was never any good. So, you know, from, from that point of view, I think as a, as a hockey, so through high school, you had to choose sort of two sports and hockey and cricket were, were the two sports that I was playing, um, one in summer, one in winter. And then playing hockey as a center forward, I was scoring goals. I'm short, I'm fast, I get in the right place and I could put the ball in the back of the net. But cricket, as I said, I was a bit anxious um, going out to bat. So I think I was more successful as a hockey player and was hoping one day, you know, there was no country to play for in South Africa at that stage because it was still under apartheid regime. So I left school, went to university, um, played state hockey and state cricket at the same time. And then we got invited to the World Cup in 1992. I mean, I was a surprise selection in South Africa. I mean, South Africans were saying, who the heck is this John T. Rhodes guy, let alone, you know, anybody else internationally. And um, after that World Cup in 1992, it was then a case of the cricket. I mean, cricket was in the international fold, but no other sport was back in because we weren't here to democracy. Democracy only came around in 1994. So all the other sports, what Ali Bacher had done though in the cricket scenario, he had amalgamated the white and, and the non-white cricket unions together. So we were the United Cricket Board, whereas every other sport had a, a white board and then a non-white board that ran the sports. So we were the only guys at cricketing-wise who were allowed to play or invited back to play. So hockey never got that opportunity until 1994. And by then, I was already playing cricket for South Africa for two years. And especially in the winters, you know, we were touring Sri Lanka, we were touring, touring England. So my winter hockey seasons, then I was not available anymore. So it was more a case of cricket choosing me rather than me saying, oh, you know, cricket's going to be going places and I want to go with it. So it was more definitely the sport choosing me. I, you know, I was thinking I'd have more of a future as a hockey player than a cricket player. Yeah, well, that's interesting. You're saying, you know, cricket chose you um, because uh, sport is is a very much, you know, you, you try and promote sport, um, you know, at school level. It's very important to you. Um, you've just collaborated with Eurosports to promote sport and extracurricular you know, activities. Um, how did that come about and how important is it, you know, at the early signs to find passion in a particular sport? Well, I think the key for me is a couple of things. You know, this, this Euro school is it's, it's Indian based and they have schools across India. And, um, you know, academics in India is a massive thing. You know, kids are almost put under pressure. There's two, two things where they're put under a lot of pressure, I think. Cricket is one. You know, I get a lot of requests from parents saying, you know, my son, which is the best academy to send my son to? And I kind of go, how old is your child? Um, six or seven. And I say, well, it's really early to send them to a cricket-focused you know, environment. Because I think that was the most amazing thing for me was that I hadn't put my hat on as a, you know, peg my sort of, cap on on the wall saying i'm going to be a cricket player you know i was playing all the different sports and as i said cricket chose me and i think too often we force that if we focus just on one sport or if we focus just on academics i mean both my parents are teachers and at school they encourage i'm one of three boys so you know two brothers and the middle son and they encourage all of us to play as much sport as possible you know so that that balance with regards to school academic work and then also the sport was important for my parents and, and and I'm really grateful for having that sort of upbringing because it it, it allowed me to just develop in all directions and, and in all areas and then find the places that you are strong find the places that you really love and and too often that balance is is out of balance you know and, and if it is if it's focused on just on sport a particular sport you know especially 
and uh, or if it's just focused on academics. I think kids need to be well-rounded and they'll discover their own path. So you're, what's your definition on holistic education? Because you very much talk about the balance of education, balance of sport. What, what, how would you define that? Well, I've seen as a coach, you know, you, you can tell people what to do, what not to do, but you've got to let them do it themselves. And, and I think that for me, holistically, that is so important. Learning through, you know, discovery is, is such a good lesson as opposed to just someone, if I'm coaching or if I'm a teacher, just taking down notes of what I said. You know, people have to experience something to really take it in. So I think holistic education, whether it's, as, a, as I said, as a cricket coach or as, as a, or a student, is about people being able to experience it for themselves. And often in a class environment, we don't get that opportunity. You're kind of, you're told what to, what to take down and what to regurgitate almost. So life lessons are really important, whether it's academics or whether it's in a sporting, you have to take them on yourself. Well, that's really interesting because um, talking about life lessons, he was one of the first players to take paternity leave and Virat Kohli being the first in India. So how important is it to have a healthy relationship with um, you know your partner and family while playing cricket. Well, cricket. I mean, so you know, I, I kind of played in a different generation. It really has changed. And if you think of, you know, since the IPL, all the different T Twenty leagues and T Ten leagues that have cropped up around the world, that players can play. Not even if you know if they're not even a national side or the international side, they they can play cricket for ten or eleven months of the year. And a busy year for us in, in, in my generation was sort of eight to nine months. You'd always get three months off, um, you know, from, from that perspective. So it, it's really tough from, a, from a, a situation where if you don't have a strong base, whether it's in your own team together or especially from, from a home point of view, it's really difficult to, to be able to go and play because it's a massive commitment. You know, it is actually a team when, you, when you're playing for your country for your team but it's a team base at home too and and i think that's where a lot of players struggle um a lot of couples struggle it's just to find a game to find a balance of how do we get this right and how do we make sure that it's beneficial for for everyone you know especially for the family um because i think you know you're very much a team person you talk about you know coherence holistic approaches you know all of these different things but when you retired in 2003 you never thought you'd come back into coaching until the IPL was introduced. A hundred percent. I mean, Monty, I retired. I had a Bachelor of Commerce degree. I joined Standard Bank because Standard Bank were the one-day team sponsor. So, but they wanted me initially just to meet and greet and use for marketing purposes. And I said, please, guys, I have a degree. In three years' time, another South African player is going to retire, and then you'll use them, and they'll be, then what am I going to do? So I trained as a business banker. And then fortunately, we, we launched the, the Pro 20 in South Africa. And it was then a case of, okay, that the cricket sponsorship had taken off and it was, we were investing not just in, you know, the South African team, but actually in a product because we had, at the bank, had actually developed the Pro 20 and all that went around. And there wasn't, at that stage, if you were a coach, you, you know, if you wanted to coach the national team, there was usually an ex-player who was coaching and a South African coached South African team. John Wright, I think, was the first non-Indian to coach the Indian team. And, and only since the IPL, where you know, you've combined Indian players with players from all around the world, with coaches from all around the world, that people realize that you know, cricket is a, is, a, is a language that we all speak, you know, regardless of the upbringing, regardless of the di different circumstances that we play under. 
it's the same language, you know, and, and I think that's been really important. So prior to the IPL, there really wasn't, I mean, I had no, also there wasn't a big, a massive, still a massive focus on, on, on fielding. So believe it or not, you know, even though 1992, I dived into the stumps at the World Cup and everyone was talking about fielding, up until the IPL, there really wasn't, you know, most teams didn't even have a fielding coach. Oh, that, I find that really interesting because, uh, uh, you know, you had you, you was like, you know, the poster boy in the 90s, you know, all the big sponsorships, everything, you know, you, you was the most marketable, you know, sportsman in South Africa. But unfortunately, you had a fracture, you fractured your finger in 2003 during the World Cup and your career kind of, you know, come a little bit short. Um, how did you cope with that mentally, emotionally at that time? Well, I'd actually announced my retirement at, at the end of the World Cup 2003, I was going to stop. And, you know, so the second game of the World Cup wasn't ideal. We just lost the first one to the West Indies. And playing in, you know, ideally for me, obviously going all the way would have been amazing, but just playing in an entire tournament in South Africa was, was kind of the going away that, that I had envisaged. And, and, and really, it wasn't about we have to win the tournament. It was just playing in South Africa. So emotionally, it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a massive issue because I knew I was, you know, I was leaving. And when I first broke my finger, they inserted a plate. They kind of was a, quite a drawn out tournament. You had the Super Sixes the next stage. And we sort of worked out that if I had four weeks to, to let it heal, by the end of the tournament, I'd still be, you know, I'd be back in um, and, and ready to play. But then we lost a game against New Zealand and suddenly we were under pressure not, you know, not to qualify for the next round which we ended up not doing anyway. So they brought in Graham Smith and to replace a player in, in a World Cup squad, you have to, that the player that's been replaced has to leave. So you only allowed 15 players in the squad. So the end of my career came and, and maybe it's a good thing too. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, there's so many, there's a lot of criticism around players when they do retire or why haven't they retired and, or it's a you know massive fanfare. For me, it was, it was just ideal. You know, I hadn't, my career was, was, was an incredible opportunity. And it was just a good way to go without anybody making a big fuss, you know, because the World Cup carried on and, and my life carried on. It was incredible. Okay, great. So let's look, look you, you thought after 2003, I won't get back into coaching, but IPL got you back into coaching. But you have a very strong relationship with India. Now, what was it like, you know, touring India, being in India, being in the IPL? Because you're not just a cricket coach. There's, there's more to you in India than just being a fielding coach. Yeah, I think... As a cricket player, and I think the sad thing for me, you know, I, I grew up in a, a racially segregated South Africa and uh, coming to India as a cricket player, you see the hotel, the ground, the airport, that's it. You know, you just, you, you can't get away from cricket lovers, you know, in, in India, they just are passionate. So everybody in the hotel and they're knowledgeable, you know, it's an, it really is, it's incredible. And it's, at times it's, it's, it's very uplifting and, and, and mind blowing. But at times too, when you're playing, you just want to get away, you know, from the actual game itself. And and it's, it was difficult to tour India as a cricket player, especially we didn't play spin very well. So as South Africans, we, we grew up on pace and bounce and um, touring India was always tough. So you kind of just needed your space. Whereas a coach, and, and I've been coming here with the IPL, so I probably spent about three to four months of, of the year in India. And it was more a case of I'm, I'm really... I'm still growing as an individual. And the only way you can learn about yourself, you know, the more you learn about other people, the more you learn about yourself. And, and that for me was so important because you can't learn about other people flying over them at 30,000 feet in an airplane, even driving past in the air conditioned bus with security in front and back. 
So I borrow a motorbike and, you know, in every city that I go to, I ride out. I, I do get guys to come help me or to come support me. So most with the Royal Enfield, it's a local bike. It's been around forever. First produced in the UK, I think, for, for the army. And, um, you know, there's always a, a Royal Enfield riding club in, in all the major cities. So I'll get a group of 10 to 15 guys on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. We go for an out ride, sort of three, four hours. And it's incredible that, you know, the parts of India that I've seen, a lot of Indians haven't even seen. So it's that for me has been really enjoyable and a really important part of, of what I do because it's so, so diverse. It's, it's real diversity with you know, people talk about across states in India, but within the states is even diversity. And, and as I said, you don't see it on a bus. You don't see it on an airplane. You've got to experience it from the ground and, and two wheels get you out you know, to parts of the country that you wouldn't get to, to normally. So I think the connection that I have with India is not just me loving India. It's me loving the fact that every time I leave here, I've, I've learned something more about myself. Well, you, you've gone to, to the extent of naming your daughter India. You know, India is, is, been, is very much, you know, close to your heart. And it's interesting that you go, to, you know, you, you take the bike out and you go to every city to explore it. Um, as your time you've been in India, what is it about India that actually you know, we are seeing the best of Jonty Rhodes. Well, you know, cricket, I, I probably, I retired, you know, I retired from test first and then ODIs. And so that's two retirements. Um, I then re did one stint of, of fielding coaching with the South African team up to the two, 2007 World Cup. So then I, I, I had one, one go at fielding coach. And as I said, there weren't many jobs. It was pre-IPL. So I retired from that. Uh, I just did it for 18 months. So I then went to Mumbai Indians for, for nine years and I retired from that again and, and um, I'm back at it. So, you know, I, I've tried to retire from all aspects of cricket at least four or five times. And it's, it's such a game that, and, and, and like I said earlier on, with regards to kids being focused just on cricket, uh, my passion for cricket has not left at all. And because I wasn't forced as a kid just to focus on cricket. So I, th I think that is, that is the key for me. You know, that's every time that I come here, I am loving what I'm doing. So it's, it's, it's not a show. It's, it's easy to have the sort of energy that I have when you, you're passionate about what you're doing and you're able to do it. So I think from, from that point of view, every time I come to India, it's, uh, you know, it's, there's the energy because it's, it's feeding me. And, and, and I think that part of it's really important. So which is the best city, you know, if, if, if the biker listening in and you're thinking, yeah, which is the best city would you go on your bike to explore? Well, fortunately, you get out the cities and, and everyone you know, from Chennai, this is the ECR, the East Coast Road. And that's a beautiful ride out that it takes south. And, and I'm, I'm a keen surfer. And I'm actually involved with the Surf Federation of India, believe it or not. I mean, I'm a brand ambassador for not because they pay me any money to be the brand ambassador. Um, there is no money in surfing in India, as you can imagine. But it's about promoting the sport because a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the youngsters are from fishing, you know, fishing villages who have you know, the parents, they've grown up helping their, their parents or their fathers go fishing and these kids are, are not scared of the water you know and and it's they they've taken to surfing incredibly these little surf schools have popped up all along the coast um, i mean india's got five thousand kilometers of, of coastline so there should be waves everywhere so we go along the ecr some of those spots that we stop for, for breakfast you know i've surfed along that that line so i do enjoy the ecr ride but then in Rajasthan, I mean, Rajasthan, you, you drive out and it's incredible. I mean, I always thought Rajasthan was one big desert, but there's parts of it that have, you know, coconut trees and rice paddies and I mean, little hills that are covered in, in greenery. So it, it's, it's incredible to get out and just change your perspective. And, and I think that's a key. I mean, we, 
why do I enjoy India so much is that you always arrive here, if you come with a preconceived idea, you know, you're going to be disappointed or overwhelmed in India. And, and I think for me, it's, and, and I think it stems from, you know, as, as cricketers, you always, or international players, you seize the day, carpe diem. And, and I've discovered in India, the only way you're going to be successful is if you embrace the day. Because if you're trying to seize the day here, it is going to flood you and overwhelm you. But if you just embrace what happens, it's insane. You know, it, it really is incredible. So I think that for me, Rajasthan is a place where from a change your perception or your preconceived idea, Rajasthan will blow you away. Wow. Okay. So that's one place I'm definitely going to go and have a look at Rajasthan and see what that's all about. Um, okay. So let's, let's go back to your coaching. You know, you're, you're the coach for the franchise of Pune Devils, you know, in Dubai T10, T10 tournament. Um, what would you say the challenges for a coach to it from T20 to T10 cricket? Well, it was my first go as a head coach and I was not very successful at all. We won our first game and then didn't win it any of the other games. So it was some hard lessons, it really was. And and I've also, it's similar to, to here playing, you know, I've never captain South Africa. I never wanted to captain South Africa. I wasn't even the vice captain. And I actually loved that because you, you can still be a leader within an organization, whether it's a business or whether it's a cricket team or, or any team without having to be the captain. So you can still inspire people to, you know, kind of bring their best game. So, so from that point of view, you know, I'd never wanted to be a captain. I also never wanted to be a head coach. And my first job as a, as a head coach, and, and I think it wasn't just the difference between T10 and T20 because it's, you know, 20 over cricket, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a certain pace that you go at, um, but, but T10 cricket, the, the pace is totally, totally frenetic. You know, batting-wise, it's, it's just, it really is just tee-off. There's not too many twos and threes that are run. It's, it's either a single or it's a boundary. And so, so, so from a bowling point of view, I suppose it's almost a case of every ball, you, you haven't bowled like it's a free hit because that's a lot of the players play with that sort of license. And it was, it was more trying to understand how you could get the players to adapt. And I, I don't think I was very successful at that because I think I was still finding my feet. And, and coaches have an important role to play. You know, I was, I was key for me was trying to give the players ownership and not say, okay, this is what you have to do because, you know, I know what it's like. The captains that I've played under, Hansi Cronier especially, he was somebody that empowered the players to make the decision. Because as a coach, if you're the one telling the players what to do, they're the ones out there. You're sitting in the dugout. There's nothing you can do once they're over the line. Sure, you can come with a game plan or ideas, but if the players aren't happy with it, and I think from from the lessons that I learned, that's you know maybe I didn't give them because we, we kind of sat down, we, we showed footages and you know strengths and weaknesses of, of other players, and kind of left it up to to each player to to go out with the plan. And, and maybe as a coach, you need to give them a little bit more from a guidance point of view or say, okay, there's only, there's go two options or three options. Because if you just leave it open, uh, it's too easy to just kind of walk through every option and then you, you, you sort of flounder a little bit. So I think from, from that point of view, um, the intensity of, of T10 was something, as I said, it's my first trip at T10 and only three or four of my players in the squad had actually played in T10 games. So it's a really different intensity. Well, I think you're being um very modest here because uh, let's go back to punjab kings 11 nicholas puran makes an improbable save his body is twisted in the air like a corkscrew set you know saves this you know ball from going for four um and you stand up and bow to him i think we should be bowing to bowing to you because of the level of fielding that you're able to produce with these youngsters Monty is very kind. Um, 
But you know, the, the amazing thing is, is that what Nicky P did on the boundary, he's a wicketkeeper. You know, everyone asked me about, you know, what makes a good fielder? Is it your know, hand-eye coordination? Is it fast reflexes? And I just keep talking about the feet because if you can't get to the ball, you're never going to catch it. And, and that's always the focus has been, which is the benefit of having played many different sports is that you get to change. You know, f cricket is a, a linear game when you're batting and bowling. It's front, you know, you're trying to get everything in this, you know, as a bowler, you want everything going towards the target when you're batting. Your power comes from, you know, extension through the line along the same lines. Whereas when you're fielding, lateral movement is so important. So, so guys like Nicky P, the interesting thing, I mean, you can't practice what he did because you practice that three or four times a week. He's going to hurt himself. I mean, it was insane what he did and how he, he timed the catch and release. You know, they ran two, should have been six. And um, in fact, what made me most impressed was Maxwell was coming to receive the catch. You know? And if that had been completed, it would have been the most incredible catch that I had seen you know, in my entire existence. But as a save, it was amazing. But at practice, I would always bring the rope out. So we would practice specific boundary, you know, boundary saving, taking catches, flat catches, high catches over the, over the line. And Nicky was, was somebody that was doing, you know, different things. So you, because there is no one way to do it. You can kind of put the guys. So for me, coaching is about practice like you're playing in a game. So there's always a boundary rope. Always practice with a boundary rope. If you're doing stuff on the boundary, don't just take high catches. Because if you're not putting yourself under that, you know, the awareness of where the rope is, you're taking your eye off, um, you practice like a match situation. So what he did was not something that I had practiced specifically with him, but I'd put him under pressure at practice that every time the ball came to him, he was doing something. And the match awareness, I think, you practice that match awareness. And when it comes to the game, you deliver. You know, regardless of what you did, you're not going to do it every time the same because it's, it's not a formula. It's allowing, it's putting your body in a position where it just takes over. And I think that's, that was the key there. It's it's good to have, you know, I kind of felt for a long time the father of fielding, but now I feel like the grandfather because there's a, there's another generation that's come through and they are doing incredible stuff. And and, and like I said, they're not, we didn't practice what he did because he's going to hurt himself if he does that three times a week. But we practice match situations where he's got to come up with his own solutions. So what makes a great fielder? You said that fielding's gone to the next level, you know, especially, you know, with, with the IPL, um, just getting stronger and stronger year by year. What would you say are the basic fundamentals of being a good fielder? I think first and foremost, you have to be able to move. You know, it's, as I said, it's not just about good hands or soft hands. It's about and, and hand-eye coordination. It's about good feet. So if you can get your body in a good position, I mean, you're not going to catch every single ball. And I think being a fielder, having been a fielder and now a fielding coach, you're very much aware of that. Sure, there's technique. So when someone doesn't get the outcome, so, you know, I'm, I'm really much process driven. So what was the process like? Not the outcome. I mean, the outcome, we all want the outcome to be, you know, in our favor. But if it wasn't, what was the process? And the process goes back to practice. So not just in the game. So practice, were they hiding from me? Because when they come to my practice, it's high intensity, but it's only five to 10 minutes. So two or three guys at a time, sometimes an individual, after five minutes, they're done. I mean, the IPL has always played the hottest time of the year in India because it was always the only gap in the calendar. So... The guys practice two and a half, three hours. You can't then ask them for half an hour of fielding. So it was short, sharp, and done, but high intensity. So I, I think from so from that point of view, it, it's always been a case of, I can hear Makai and Tini in the background. <laughs> he hasn't changed. I mean, you talk about me coming to India and getting the best out of me. There's Makai and Tini. He's, he's amazing. So, you know, that kind of energy, if you think of all the bowlers who are playing in this tournament, I don't know how they, they get through the overs. Makai is the only guy that I know I'm going to get four overs from, and it's going to be the same sort of pace and intensity that 
you know, at the first ball that he bowled to the last ball. So sorry, thanks, Makai, but I've, I've gone blown off track here. What are we talking about here? About the so field? Talk, oh, yeah, oh, okay. What makes a good fielder? Yeah, we're talking so, about good fielder. So the feet, yeah. the movement is important. And then, you know, people talk about, oh, but you had such good reflexes, you had good anticipation. Good anticipation isn't good reflexes. It's just expecting every single ball to come to you. And I think that was a key for me. I actually wanted every ball to come to me. Because if you don't want the ball to come to you in the field, you're trying to hide from it, it generally finds you. So, so from that perspective, you know, and again, the South African game plan, we only had sort of during my playing time, most of the time, one, an off spinner, Pat Simcox, and the rest of the guys, four seamers. And they were always, I mean, sort of Pollock, Klusner, Farney de Villiers, Brian McMillan, you know, we were bulb, good length, sort of top of off stump or fourth stump. And generally, backward point gully was where the ball, because it was before the power play days, guys were just, you know, the same test opening batters were opening the batting in the ODIs, and you build a foundation. And with our bowling attack, all the action was always in that backward point gully region. So, you know, I wanted every single ball to come to me. And, and that's what makes a really good fielder, I think, is that anticipation through expecting every ball to come and the ability to move. Because, you know, you want the ball to come to you, but you can't move to it. It's not going to help. Or if you've got great reflexes or, or good feet, as I said, but you're not expecting. I mean, I saw it last, you know, in these games that we're playing now here yeah, as, as in the legends. I know we've all slowed down and, you know, I'm hurting a bit today, but it's for the first time I'm having to worry about bowling changes and field places and, or field placements. And suddenly the ball comes to me and I wasn't expecting it. You know, so I think that's, that's the interesting thing for me is that not being the captain, but still being kind of, as I said, a leader in, in, in my team just through my example and inspiring my teammates. I'm totally focused on the ball coming to me throughout my career, wanting every single ball. And you can't, it's like batting, you can't concentrate every minute of the game. You've got to learn to switch on and switch off. But when you're captaining the side, you forget that you, okay, you've got to watch a ball, it's coming. It's, it's actually a conscious decision to switch on, switch off. Because I was still thinking about who's going to bowl next or where should I drop the, the, the fielder. So participation is massive expecting every ball to come to you and then the foot movement is a big part of third thing you have to enjoy it yeah great so it's it's um uh it's great to see that you know given some really good you know fielding tips you must have seen me field during my career um what do you think of my fielding oh fantastic monty <laughs> you're lying <laughs> i oh, i hate to tell you I'm, I'm not a big tv watcher so you're lucky you, you got away with that one <laughs> Okay, brilliant. So, you know, you talk about, you know, um, uh, you being an all round individual is so important, you know, being a coach. Um, but now you've actually become the national coach, you know, for Sweden, where actually you're a scout, you're a man manager, you're a trainer, all rolled in one. And um, was it the reason because you were in search for new ideas, you want fresh perspective, perspectives to help you stay interested in the game? Well, I mean, interesting thing is the move to Sweden is, is is looking like it's going to be, it's not a two-year consultancy. It's a full-time employment with a, a view to, to even relocating with the family to Sweden. So the whole family's come with me. We're getting the kids into school and, and with possibility of staying on. So it, it wasn't a case of me stretching myself or, or saying I've got to go um, in search of inspiration. Because as a fielding coach, you can just keep growing and evolving. I mean, it, you don't, I mean, a lot of my drills are the same because I really like to focus on the basics because cricket is, you know, the team that makes the least mistakes is generally going to come out on top. So I hone on the basics, you know. So as I said, with the Nikki Pura and the fancy stuff, the players come up with themselves. But when you start from a, a solid foundation, it's amazing what you can do. So to Sweden, the lack of, you know, cricket 
just means that there's not a lot of staff. So there's four there's four of us who who actually get a salary from the Swedish Cricket Federation. We have board members, um, you know, and directors and, and various club coaches. Obviously, there's, there's no other payment. So it's just a lack of staff that has not forced me. But I went to Sweden saying, I don't want to be the national coach, but let me help you grow the game. I mean, I understand in Europe it's become really popular. Um, there are a lot of immigrants, in, there are a lot of non-residents, whether you're from Pakistan, India, um, a lot of Af Afghanistan uh, sort of immigrants that have, that have got into Sweden. So there's a strong cricket connect, but unfortunately, it's a lot of the players just want to play in the summer. So there's not a growth of the game. So there's no junior team, there's no ladies team. And in Sweden, there's a so Swedish sport, there's a massive focus on you know gender equality, um, opportunity for youngsters to play. Um, you know, at school, there's there's no sport in the school, but at, phys at physical education, the teachers will will introduce you know Aussie rules football, American football, and even cricket in, in a country where there is no cricket played, just to give the kids something different to do. So my role going to Sweden, it was it wasn't a case of needing to grow myself, but it was a case of okay, here's an opportunity where the experience that I have will hopefully make a massive benefit as opposed to, you know, if I keep coming back to India, only to India, where I have a, hopefully an impact, but there's such a strong cricket culture here. There's such a strong cricket structure here that, you know, I think hopefully the biggest impact that I can make is in a country where there's not a, a, a big structure with a lot of people sort of handing out their experience. So would you ideally, in a couple of years time, take some parts of the structure that's in India into Sweden and, and actually make it into a, a, a successful cricketing nation? Yeah, I think to, to try and emulate the, the Indian model is quite interesting. I mean, there's, I think we were talking about it yesterday, 38 state teams, you know, who, who are playing first class cricket. And it's just ridiculous to even think about that. So, but it's more a case of what, because the most amazing what the IPL has done, it just keeps, it's churning out these fantastic young Indian players, which gives them a platform to showcase their skills. And it's also, you kind of backtrack that there's now uh, Karnataka Premier League, uh, Tamil uh, Nadu TNPL Premier League. So each state has got its own T20 competition. So young players, and it's, you know, it's all televised. So it's an incredible platform to get to the national team. Because, you know, in, in a country like India, prior to that, it was kind of before Dhoni came around from, from Ranchi. You know, all the selections always came out of the Mumbai, the Delhi's, the, the Bangalore, Chennai. So the traditional cricketing metros. And since Dhoni's selection, suddenly, you know, guys are coming out from Baroda, which has always had a strong cricket presence, but because it wasn't a prominent part of the cricketing world in India. So you think of the, the Pandya brothers, you know, different kind of players. But because of that sort of platform that they've been given the opportunity to showcase their skills, and I think that's what we need to take to Sweden, is how do you generate a platform or a pathway to the national team? Because with the lack of international cricket, we have ICC tournaments maybe every two years. And uh, if you're only picking a national team every two years, you know, guys just kind of lose interest. So how do you create, maintain the interest? So give players something to play for in the season. Even if there isn't an ICC tournament, we have to promote, I mean, in the Nordics itself, you know, Norway, Finland, Denmark has got a, Denmark's got a strong cricketing culture. So within the Nordics itself, we can play, you know, cross-border cross friendlies. Um, and it's just giving youngsters an opportunity and not just the youngsters, but the ladies as well and the juniors as well, um, the senior men, an opportunity to, okay, so this is what I have to do to take my game to the next level or to be selected at the next level. Because at this stage, there isn't, there isn't a pathway. So that's been introduced. 
and uh, we ha hopefully having our first junior Premier League in in July. COVID restrictions have been a bit tough for everybody, but it's the first time that they've had a sort of a junior a regional junior tournament, which is from the clubs to the region and then the national setup. So there is a pathway, and that you know I think every country, not just India, has that, and, and Sweden hasn't had that at all. Well, it sounds really exciting. You know, I think if you can change the landscape of you know, cricket in Scandinavia, that will be, you know, unbelievable. Um, so what does the future hold for John T. Rhodes? Where would he like to be in the next five to 10 years? Well, on a motorbike somewhere for some time of the year, for sure. Uh, you know, sitting around a cricket field. And yeah, yeah, I think Sweden I'm really excited about because I've seen, I mean, it's really frustrating at times. And, and I think in any work environment it is. And, and, and especially, and not saying, oh, you know, this is how you have to do it because I understand that there's, you know, I, I've only been to one practice, one club practice so far. I've been there for four months nearly. So because of COVID, because of the indoor, the lack of indoor facilities, the lack of indoor facilities, um, it's really tough for, for people to get out and, and play cricket in Sweden for this great summer, three to four months of the year. But uh, in the winter, without much facilities, it's very, very tough. So I think for me, I, I, I see a great time in Sweden. My family growing up, um, me giving more of my expertise and passion because I don't think I'm an expert in, in a lot of things but I certainly have hopefully energy that rubs off on people and, and inspires other people because in, in parts places like Sweden and most associate member countries there's some great work being done in isolation so if you kind of connect those dots or connect those people together sometimes it just needs a catalyst and it might be an idiot like me with lots of energy and you know willing to listen to people not telling them what to do um, appreciating all the work that they've done and then just giving them an opportunity to connect with somebody else. So I have an incredible network and that's what I'm hoping to be able to achieve in Sweden is connect these people doing th great things in isolation to be able to, you know, take Swedish cricket and, and not just, you know, hopefully the whole area to another level. So definitely back in India, I mean, this is where the cricket is. It, it is a business and it's a part of, of what I do. And, uh, but just having the totally different perspective from one where it's, you know, really professional, big money spinner to another one where everybody's doing it just because they love the game. And that's what I started doing. I played cricket because I loved it. And it's great to be in both of those worlds because it, it gives you, you know, it gives you very different perspectives and it feeds different parts of the soul. So it's good to be involved with both. No, I think it's fasc fascinating how, you know, you have a great energy and also a great like of, you know, worldly things to make yourself into this you know a great rounded individual um what would you say um you know if john t rhodes had to have dinner with four people who would they be and why would you choose them no monty you can't you can't do that imagine if i told my wife i was going to go out on a date not with her i mean four four amazing individuals i don't get to see my wife enough to to, you know, it has to be her and, and nobody else. So, you know, you know it's, it's a question I've been asked on a, on a few occasions and every time I've said something different because I'm, you know, I, I don't have sort of role models that it's more a case of, you know, what is impacting our existence right now. Um, well, well, you're allowed to have two more guests. You've got your wife there. <laughs> and who would be the other two? Then? Who would be the other two? Um, no. I don't know. I, I really don't. I mean, there, there's nobody that's 
that I'm going, oh, she's, you know, I can learn. That, that's the problem with, not the problem with social media. It's the most amazing thing about social media. There is, there's so much information available. There's so much motivation around. You just got to know where to tap into it. But, but to, to say these are the people that I want to sit with, yeah, I hate to tell you that I haven't even given that any thought. So sorry, I, top of my head, just my wife at this stage. Otherwise, I'm in lots of trouble. I won't, I won't be available for the next tour. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, thank you so much, you know, John T. Rhodes. Uh, absolutely fascinating human being. You're doing amazing things in cricket. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people around the world will be inspired by what, what, who you are and what you do for cricket. Thank you, Monty. And thanks for giving me the platform. It's amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much. Well, that was John T. Rhodes for you, and uh, I'm sure you didn't realise he loves his bikes, he likes exploring, and his philosophy on coaching is about self-discovery, the holistic way. And he's doing great things in Sweden right now, the head coach there, and when it comes to fielding, it's about moving your feet fast, which, unfortunately, I never did. So I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Next week... I'm going to have someone who's turned into an actor, successful media commentator, was a successful all-rounder for India, and I always wanted to be like Wazi Makram, but he kind of lived part of that memory for me. It is Irfan Patan, so I look forward to seeing you all next week.